uh, one of the rare opportunities we have Christmas and Easter are these rare opportunities where we kind of get everybody in the room at the same time. So before I, I, I do have like just a little teaching I want to give you, but before I do that, would you just indulge me because this is a rare opportunity to communicate information to everyone at the same time. I know announcements can be annoying and boring, but it's, it's rare that I get all of you at the same time, all right? And like the next one's really important because some of you you're just gonna, you're gonna be blown away by the music and, and, and our hospitality teams and greeters and the, just the amazing preaching that you're about to hear. <laughs> uh, cloaked in humility. And then you're gonna wanna come back. You're gonna wanna come back next, next weekend, but you can't. Because next weekend we do what we call church at home. We take the last Sunday of the year every year and we say to all of our dream team, all of our volunteers, everybody who serves, Stay home, do church in your pajamas, watch your kids play with their gifts, all that good stuff. But we will be back the very next weekend uh, for, for the beginning of a brand new series called Restored. I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. It's kind of the word that I feel like God gave me for this year, for 2024, uh, that, that God is just going to restore some things for people, put things back the way they were meant to be all along. And, um, and I think, I, I would just like to encourage you, if you're not already I know Christmas is on our minds right now, but it's not a bad time to even be thinking about next year. For years I've been saying this, and I still think it's true, that the new year could be your best year ever if it's your best year with Jesus. If it's your best year with Jesus. And so every year we do this, 21 days of prayer and fasting, it's kind of our way of just setting the tone for the year and setting a foundation, saying, hey God, this isn't my year, 2024 doesn't belong to me, it belongs to you. And we want to invite you to participate in that with us. We'll gather a couple times a week in person for prayer and worship, Wednesday nights at 7, uh, Saturdays at 10 a.m. We would love to have you join us for that. And then uh, I don't want to say too much about it. My wife will we'll talk about it a little bit more later. But we have our, our third annual Thrive Marriage Conference quickly approaching on February 9th and 10th. And um, we have some amazing speakers lined up. Nancy Houston's going to be back in the mix, married couples and Pastors Waylon and Dana Sears, and, and some new things that we're doing this year. We're going to do some, uh, some topic-specific, uh, like, breakout sessions, like uh, my friends uh, uh, Pastor Derek and T. Parks are going to, uh, they know all about what it's like to raise a blended family. We're going to do a whole session on blended family. Like, we kind of want to meet couples where you're at. And so, just want to invite you to be thinking about that. Put it on the calendar right now. And come on, that was quick for announcements, wasn't it? Come on, give me, give me a little love. Wasn't too bad. Hopefully, it wasn't too painful. Um, and and um, so we'll, that whole new series around prayer and fasting, we'll just be talking about restoration. And I'm going to hopefully try to get that kicked off a little bit this afternoon with, with what we talk about. Um, I, I was thinking about this message. I was reading the Christmas story and um, thinking about all the, all the different ways that you can approach it. And I just kept finding myself drawn back to this, this passage in Isaiah and um, I'll read that to you in a second, but I want to ask you a question first. Like, quick show of hands, how many think names are important? Like, how many think your name matters, right? Like, hopefully you like your name. Uh, we have some families right now who are expecting, and I know they're like laboring over the name. What name are we going to choose? I made a joke last night, um, like, like probably not very many people are are just drawing a name out of the hat the moment the baby is born. Like you're probably putting some thought into that ahead of time. And wouldn't you know, one of our friends approached me in the lobby and just said, hey, just FYI, my parents literally did draw my name out of a, 
They were like, they narrowed it down to three and they couldn't decide. And Drew, I was like, okay, so there was some intentionality there. Na- like names matter, right? Names, names, are, names are important. Uh, I was thinking with all the, just all the babies and people who are, who are growing their families, I, was, I, I went and I was just curious, like, what are the most popular names right now in 2023? I didn't even realize, it's been a while since we had kids, I didn't realize what, what kind of a rabbit hole I was going down by just typing that into Google. Y'all know there's like whole industries built around just baby names? That's crazy. It's, I mean, it's nuts. Like, and, um, and I found this website that was documenting it. So 2023 is almost over. I assume these will probably hold. I, I found the most popular names for babies uh, so far this year. I would ask you to hold your awe until the end, all right? So, so far, so far this year, the most popular name for girls is Olivia. That's cool. That's a pretty name. The most popular name for boys is Noah. Come on with a Bible name making a comeback. Let's go. Uh, apparently, people who have girls don't love Jesus as much. But if you, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm joking. I am kidding. Emma, second most popular for girls. Liam, for boys. And about 10% of you are going to get this next joke. Apparently, there are a lot of boys being born this year that have a particular set of skills. I told you, only a handful. Liam Neeson, you're just going to look that one up. Okay. Uh, Amelia, it's the third most popular for girls. And all, I love that, Oliver. That's a great name, great boy name. The problem with me sharing all of this, I just wrecked it for some people because you saw the name up here and now you're like, oh, no, we can't use it. We can't use one of the most popular names. And so you're back to the drawing board. I hope you're not, not due like tomorrow. Um, so then that got me thinking, like, I'm going to age myself a little bit. I was born in 1980, and I was curious, like, what were the most popular names the year I was born? And it was just kind of fascinating because I know people, I have friends, went to school with people with all of these names. The most popular girl name in 1980 was Jennifer. Anybody know Jennifer? Uh, uh, for boys, Michael. So thank you, parents, for the unique spelling. At least I get some. Uh, uniqueness out of this deal. Um, Amanda, it's a name near and dear to my heart. That is my beautiful bride's name. Um, Christopher, Jessica, and Jason. Y'all know, know some people with those names? All right. All right. Here's a question. How many of y'all know somebody with like an awful name? It's like a terrible, terrible name. I, I said that last night and I was like, do you want to say it? And this lady was like, mm-mm. I was like, they're here, aren't they? <laughs> know some people with some, some bad names, some terrible names. I, was, I heard some stories of some people with, with bad names. In fact, one of them I got told last night, that it's a true story. His family's last name was Banks. They were about to name their firstborn Robin. <laughs> I'll just give you a second. I know it moves at different speeds for everybody. Robin Banks. Can you imagine going through life with that name? Uh, I'm sure you all have heard about that poor little girl who was born into the Mann family, last name M-A-N-N. Parents just weren't thinking clearly, named her Anita. Spent her whole life as Anita Mann. It's awful. Heard another one, last name Price. Again, parents just not thinking clearly, named their little girl Lois. 
And I know some of y'all are like, why are all these girl jokes? You sexist? No. Lois had a baby brother. Parents didn't get any smarter. Named him Clarence. <laughs> I love that. So funny. Names matter, yeah. Names are important. Uh, I was recently in New York City. My, my daughter, yesterday, uh, our beautiful Sarah turned 16 years old. And uh, yeah, pray for my bank account, y'all. Pray. And um, she, we asked her, like, 16's a big deal. Is there anything special you want to do? And she said, I want to go to New York City for a few days. And so we did that. We went up to New York City and hung out for a few days, walked around. Took me about half a day to remember where I was. Because I'm, you know, in comparison down here in Delaware, we're like, we're kind of sweet and nice in comparison. We're not, we're not Carolina sweet, but we're pretty sweet compared to, compared to New York. And I just forgot, I just forgot for a few hours where I was. And, and so people walk up to you and they just start talking to you in the city. And you wonder, like, why are you trying to get me to take my hands out of my pocket? Right? I just forgot where I was. And I'm just chatting it up with people, forgetting, like, you probably aren't making friends. You want something. You want to sell me something or steal something or scam me in some way. And I got back to the hotel that first night, and I told my family, I was like, you guys, daddy's not going to behave like a pastor tomorrow when we go back into the city. Tomorrow, daddy's a New Yorker. So liberating. Guys are like, sir, would you like a ride on my bicycle taxi? I'm like, no. Get away from me. It's fun. It's terrible. It's awful. Uh, But what I noticed in the city, I mean, I'll visit New York. Anybody visit New York? All right. What I noticed when I was in the city, you know, there's all these I love New York shops. There's all these gift shops. We were doing all the tourist stuff. We were doing all the tourist things. And um, I started noticing all the merchandise and all the memorabilia that describe the city, but in different ways. So like we know the name, the name is New York City, but every once in a while, something or some place comes along that's, it's so big, it has such an impact, like one name is not enough. And I was just noticing like New York has all these different names, all these different names. It's, um, it's been called the Big, the Big Apple. Uh, it's been called the center of the universe. It's been called Fun City. It's been called the city that never, city that never, all these names, because New York has, it's so big, it's had so much influence, some, that, that just one name isn't enough. You need all these other nicknames to describe what it is. And, and what I thought, I got to thinking about that, I thought, that's interesting, you know, about 680 years before Jesus was born, a prophet named Isaiah foretold of his coming. And he says, listen, there's, there's somebody coming. The Messiah is on the way. And when he gets here, he'll have a name. But one name won't be enough. One name won't be enough for you to understand who this is. His, his impact, his influence, what he does for humanity, you'll need more than one name to be able to describe him. You can find it in Isaiah chapter nine, and it says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government, and I've highlighted that for a reason, I'll come back to it in a minute. 
will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called, and Isaiah says, he's, you're going you're gonna to need at least four. By the way, there's a whole, there's a whole bunch more. You're going to need at least four names to understand how great this baby Jesus is going to be. You, you will call him Wonderful Counselor. I'm pro-counseling, by the way. And one of the names, I, I just love that the very first name that Isaiah ascribes to the future savior, the future, future king, is he says he's a, he's a really good counselor. He's a wonderful counselor because haven't you found in this life that you're gonna have some moments where you need somebody who could just sit with you and feel what you feel and process through what's going on and then maybe speak into your life in a way that gives you new perspective wonderful counselor. He says, you won't just be a wonderful counselor, you'll also know him as a mighty God. Because I, I don't know if you found this to be true, but I found it to be true that in this life, like there's gonna be some times where your power and your strength just aren't enough. So you need a, you need a mighty God. And, and he says, not just that, he'll be an everlasting father. Which just, even the, those words are so foreign to so many in the room. In, in our society, we're the most fatherless generation in the history of the world. And so let me just say it to you this way. You just need to know that you do have a permanent protector and provider. And in the last one, he says he'll be called Prince of Peace. We've talked about this one before. In the Hebrew, Sar Shalom. It's where we get the word czar. Literally means the one in charge of or the distributor of peace. Because in this crazy, upside down, chaotic life, aren't you gonna sometimes need a little help having peace? And then he goes on to say his government and its peace will never end and he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David to all eternity. And when I read this, it all immediately hit me that there will be many people in this service watching online across these four Christmas services who will see those four names and they'll go, well, I don't experience Jesus in that way. I, I, I don't experience Jesus as a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, or, or, or a prince of peace. That's not even the words I would use to describe God. Which, of course, Begs the question, why? If that's who he is, why wouldn't we be experiencing him that way? And I have to warn you, like this is the least Christmassy Christmas message I have ever shared. But I actually think the answer to why we, wouldn't, we might not be experiencing him that way is right there in the same scripture when Isaiah says, his government, which he's talking about his, the heavenly kingdom, and its peace will never end, and he will what? And after all the years I've spent working in church and doing ministry, and just doing some examination of myself, to be honest, I have found that we, maybe you'll agree, are kind of prone to wanting some things from God without ever really offering ourselves to him. And I wonder if that might have something to do with why we don't experience Jesus in the fullness of who he is and his character because 
you won't be able to. Everybody's all for getting a, a savior. Everybody wants a rescue. Very few people go looking for a governor. Very few people want to have some help ruling over our lives. Let me say it to you this way. Many seek a savior, but few seek a Lord. Many seek a savior, but few seek a Lord. And make no mistake, Jesus is a savior. He is a rescuer. He is the ransom that was paid for our sin and our transgressions and our mistakes. He is that and so much more. And, and if you were to really seek Jesus and seek to know him, you would not just find a savior. In fact, I wanna encourage you with this this afternoon, Jeremiah 29, 13. God speaks through the prophet Jeremiah and says, if you seek me, you'll find me when you seek me with what? All your And I would just say, if you're seeking Jesus with all your heart, yes, you will find a savior, but you will also find a Lord. One who wants to be in charge. Who wants to guide us, lead us, direct us. The question then is, what has my heart this Christmas? What am I seeking? And if you're not seeking Jesus with your whole heart, I I don't want you to feel all beat up. Like the the message this afternoon is not condemnation. In fact, it's, it's the opposite of that. But I just want to remind you that Savior is only part of the deal. In fact, I thought this was fascinating. When Paul writes to the Romans, and he's talking about the conversion experience, what it means to become a Christian, to step into faith. He says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Savior, is that what it says? Come on, is that what it says? It's not a trick question, I put it right there. No, no, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is what? Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It isn't the confession of a savior that brings us into faith. It's the confession of a Lord. And I wonder which version of Jesus are you leaning into this Christmas? Just Savior or Lord? And again, no condemnation, because we all wander. We all lose our way sometimes, we all get off track. (laughs) Peter said as much. He said, we're we're all like sheep who've gone astray. But now, you have an opportunity, you have a choice. You have what? Returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. And can I just give you a word for the end of 2023 and for your new, for your new year, for 2024? Like, I just, I believe with all my heart that God wants to put some things back in order for some of us in the year ahead. But it requires something of us first. And I just want to say it to you this way. If you will return 
he will restore. If we return to him as Lord, Master, Governor, King, Ruler of my heart, just like you, I have a tendency to kind of pick up all the issues in my life and try to control them myself. But can I just tell you what I found to be true over and over and over and over again? I'm not as good at managing this life as he is. I want a Lord, not just a Savior. I want him to tell me, go there, not there. Say yes to that and no to that, or no to that and yes to the other thing. I want Char Shalom to lead me through this life with peace, to counsel me through every decision. And I just believe if we will return to him as Lord, then we really will begin to experience Jesus as a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace. All that and more. If you study the New Testament, there, there's, there's a whole bunch of names for him. But one of my favorite ones shows up in the Christmas story. And I'm sure most of you are familiar with it, but Mary and Joseph are engaged to be married, and through a miracle, she is expecting a baby. And that creates an issue for Joseph. There's kids in the room, I'm not gonna get into the details, but like this isn't supposed to work this way. And Joseph's gotta figure out, what what am I gonna do? And in the middle of the night, an angel visits him in a dream and says, Joseph, stay. Like, you want to be a part of this story. Trust me. And he says, look, the the virgin will conceive a child and she'll give birth to a son and they will call him what? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, and Emmanuel, which means God is where? Right here. Your wonderful counselor is right here. We can't see him, but he's in the room. He's in the, like he's here. Your everlasting father, your, your mighty God, your prince of peace. He came and walked this planet. He came and did life with us. He identifies with every feeling and emotion and stress and decision that you've ever faced. And he's waiting for you to experience everything he has if you return as Lord. And you might say, well, I've never even had a relationship with Jesus. How am I returning? It's still returning because that's the, it's the purpose he had for you all along. You were always meant to be his. And so I'm just going to ask, would you just bow your heads, close your eyes all across the room? And I just want to ask if there's anybody in the room this afternoon who would say, Pastor Michael, I, I do not know Jesus as Savior or as Lord. But there's something happening in me as I sit in this service or as I watch online, and I know I can't go another day like that. 
I have to know him. I have to surrender my life to him. And I'm not going to call you to the front of the room. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make a scene. We'd just love to know if you're here so I can help you pray, help you with what comes next. And if you're in this room and you say, Pastor Michael, I need Jesus. I, I need a relationship with Jesus. Would you, just, would you just wave a hand at me real quick? I see it. Anybody else? I see it. Good job. Anybody else? I see it. Good job. Thank you. That's brave. Anybody else? I need Jesus. Anybody? I see it. Thank you, man. Good job. Anybody else? Okay. I'm, I'm going to give you some words. You don't have to use the words exactly the way I say them. I just want to encourage you to have a sincere moment. Maybe this will be the first time you've ever done this, so it might feel a little awkward, but you're, I just want to encourage you to pray. Just talk to Jesus and just tell him. And so you could just say, Dear Jesus, this Christmas Eve, 2023, would you save me? Would you rescue me from my sin? And would you take over my life as Lord? I confess, from this day on, I'm not in charge anymore. You are. Please forgive me of all my sin. I believe you died for them. I believe you rose from the dead. And because of this moment right now, one day, I'm gonna spend eternity with you. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of salvation for the gift of Christmas. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Hey, church, can we celebrate as heaven grows a little bit this afternoon? So awesome. So amazing. If you raised your hand and prayed with me just now, before you leave, I would love it if you would let us know on one of those connection cards. Drop it in one of the receptacles in the lobby on your way out. Nobody's going to show up at your house. Nobody's going to do anything weird. We're just going to send you a little note through email, let you know how you can take some next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Close your eyes one last time, if you would. I want to talk to every believer, every Christian in the room, who, if you're being honest, you need 2024 to be different than 2023. And I just want to ask you, I just want to ask you, is he Lord over all of it? I think the greatest gift I could help you receive this Christmas would be to return to him as Lord so that he can restore hopes, dreams, family, marriages, careers, your emotional health, your mental health. He is more than adequately adequately equipped to put all those things back in order if he's Lord. So Lord, you know who that is in the room. No need to raise hands. We all know. But I pray that before this Christmas season ends, we would have a moment of intentionality with you and we would begin to return. That we wouldn't just seek to receive something from you, God, without giving ourselves fully to you. And I pray that each and every person in this room, God, would experience the fullness of who you are 
as a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting Father, and a Prince of Peace. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen.